Hello everyone and welcome to this new podcast. Today we're going to talk with Adam Watt, Head of Engineering of Jimmy Prings and Marvin van Wingerde, Head of Product of Deity. What we're going to talk about is a very exciting project where we rebuild the new Jimmy Brings website to a full composable commerce environment. Adam, can I ask you to introduce yourself? Sure, thanks Janie. Hi Marvin. Uh, so my name's Adam Watt. I'm the head of engineering at Jimmy Brings. And, you know, my role here is to really understand the technology stack and, and really drive where we need to be as a business, you know, from foundations for scale all the way through to flexibility and with a real big focus on fast-to-market products to beat our competitors. Thank you, Adam. Uh, Marvin, can you give a short introduction about yourself? Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Marvin, head of product at Deity. I've been with the company for about four years now, mainly concerning myself, of course, with the product management of the company and making sure that our strategic roadmap is in place. And of course, was very lucky to be involved in the Jimmy Brings project from start to end. So I'm sure we'll talk about that quite a bit today. I think the entire world of composable commerce is very exciting for us. So, yeah. Great. Yeah. I mean, of course, we want to do everything about that. But first, we want to know what is Jimmy Brings. I mean, there is a great story behind this. So, Adam, please tell us. Yeah. Thanks, Shavi. Um, so, Jimmy Brings is a on-demand alcohol service in Sydney, and it really came from humble beginnings um, with two founders, David Berger and Nathan Besser. Uh, and little-known suburb called Bondi in Sydney. So at the start, at its core, it was two guys in a van delivering alcohol in the evenings, and it was that way for a very long time. You know, as a business, it really started to grow. You know, the, obviously, what a great service, alcohol fast and to your door. And it really was very groundbreaking for its time. You know, we were talking about an era when there was no Uber Heats or on-demand delivery wasn't really taking off in a big way. And then you have these guys delivering alcohol in Sydney in less than 30 minutes. So, of course, it was a natural hit, especially during summer uh, when, you know, everyone wants their beers and wine and without leaving the party. And today we're now an Australian wine business in representing every major capital city and, and most regional cities as well. Sounds really, really cool. I mean, I remember something during my student time here in the Netherlands called the Beer Taxi. It was called, and I'm sure Marvin uh, knows what that is. Yep. And it sounds a bit like that, but here it never evolved into a business like what you have now. And I mean, I, we've seen the massive growth, and I'm sure COVID was a big part of that, uh, but not all. I mean, you did an amazing job building a brand, building a story around it, and, and you know, bringing that out there. And when you started to grow, you you're gonna you, obviously you're gonna have some technical challenges. Um, so you needed at some point you decided we need to do something different. Why? What 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 were the the goals that you were facing or the issues that you were facing that you decided to uh, change your platform? It's an interesting journey, actually. You know, when I look back at the technology that has existed at Jimmy Brinks, I think the first iteration was the founders um, and van drivers with just plain walkie-talkies. You know, that, that was kind of at its core. That's, that's how they started the business. Then they moved into Excel spreadsheets, which is amazing that Excel basically ran an on-demand alcohol company for a long time. And then we moved into, I guess, the iteration before um, our new composable stack, uh, which is, you know, for its time, very groundbreaking and certainly benefited the business in many ways. Like it was cheap to build, fast to market, but for us, it was leaving holes, you know, you touched on COVID and that was a huge growth period for us. And, and what we started to see is just the degradation of service and 
because the system hadn't really had a major facelift for many years, the tech debt started to rise through that platform. So we really started to see, okay, we need to now patch hardware. We need to now patch our software. And we weren't actually building features. We were just patching holes. And that kind of led us down the journey of, well, how do we go about, you know, choosing that next generation of econ platform? I mean, we've seen that a lot, people patching holes and trying to stick together. But in a massive growth platform like yours, that's a hell of a challenge. So at some point you decided, hey, let's call in Deity. I mean, let's do it different. You did your research and you decided to go for the composable commerce way. You then discovered what we are doing, where we bring all these services together and basically are the main glue inside the composable commerce world. Yeah, so then uh, when we were called in, we, we this was a massive, massive project and, and we literally flew to the other side of the world and stayed there for a month. And Marvin then jumped into this project. Uh, my God, this must have been a massive. How did you get it over you? Where did you start? Yeah, definitely. It's a huge project, of course, with a lot of moving parts. So I think the first thing that we really did as a team and also personally is to get a really good grasp of the business. What is that business all about? What are their goals? What are their ambitions? And also, what does their playing field look like? Because, of course, uh, Adam, you already mentioned it's on-demand alcohol delivery. Well, on-demand delivery is uh, kind of a different ball game than, let's say, regular e-commerce. So the first thing we did is talked with all the stakeholders, uh, of course, to get a good idea of, okay, what do the various business processes look like? For example, listing products, the key concept there, or one of the main important factors of the entire platform is, of course, that it's very precisely location-based. Everything starts off with what is the location of the customer, and based on that, what products do we show, what is the price of the products, et cetera, et cetera, what promos do we show? So that was really the first thing that we did. So I had a lot of chats, of course, with Adam. You know, how does this currently work? What do you want to change? What are the requirements? To get a really good feel about, okay, what, what are we actually working with here? So yeah, that was the that was the first thing we did. When we moved from there, of course, we uh, already had a few selections of particular third-party services. So commerce engine, for example, and then search engines, and etc. And then when we have those processes in place, we started, you know, discussing with Adam and his team to okay, how can we map that to these various systems that we're that we're using and make sure that everything uh, works all right. So that's really where that journey started and how we got off to a good start, of course. Yeah, and Adam, a question for you, because Marvin just mentioned it, like his services, and that is the main thing, obviously, in composable commerce. What kind of services do you use? What do you build yourself? What do you already have? What is working fine? And what are you going to take from the market? Is that real best-of-breed approach? And Marvin just mentioned there were already some services which were chosen and were started to work with. But how do you choose your services? And especially also for people listening to this who want to move into the composable commerce world, how do you choose your services? How do you pick them? Really good question and certainly something that we dwelled on for a long time. Part of the reason that we went to composable is so that we we don't sit around figuring out how ways to rebuild our checkout and our cart management and, and these type of things. We, we really want to focus on features and how do we get features to market fast, which is to basically choose platforms that give us the best no-code approach. So once the integration work has been completed, what are the tools that sit behind, you know, those APIs that and it gives us a really nice UI that allow our, our marketing and our operations people to go in there and make changes that they can see reflected on the on the front end. And I think that that was probably where we really started was to start looking at who has, you know, a, a headless approach that we can utilize to really connect everything together and use deity as the glue and then 
what features do they have that extend our base e-com offering? And I haven't really touched on it. Like Jimmy Brings is just not your general point and click e-commerce platform. It's, you know, we, we attempt to deliver alcohol in under 30 minutes and to do that. The shopping experience is very localized down to the individual suburbs that we service. So that complexity that we have in, you know, we don't really have stock on hand, which is another big change that we have in, I guess, from traditional e-com. Um, you know, we don't decrement stock and you know, we can shift stores and we can route drivers around because we're, we're more like an Uber model. So yeah, it, it's a very uh, big shift when you start talking about what platforms fit into that role. And it was really functionality. Um, do they tick the scalability box and do they have a headless approach? And I think one thing that you mentioned that's one of, in my opinion, really key in, in what Composable Commerce brings you a great benefit is that you say our business is not a click and buy business. It's really complex. And these services out there like search and product and stock services are not made for cases like that. I mean, they're made for more general cases and not for something very obscure, let's call it, or bespoke, maybe a better word, uh, as the business that you're building. And then still, we have all these services out there and they're going to have to work together because you can use these, let's say, more simple services in a very complex environment. And that is, again, where Marvin comes in. I mean, the services are there now and the business is very complex. How do you manage all of that? Yeah, of course. I think that's one of the key elements, actually, when we talk about composable commerce in general. And, you know, you have this set of services and, of course, you can work with them individually and you can, in most cases, nearly all cases, you can connect via an API and, and make it available to your front end. But really, the essence is about making those services work together and to make them interoperate with each other. And that's, of course, also what Jimmy Brinks needed. So you can't just have big commerce isolated and, you know, not make sure that it works with the internal ERP system, for example. You cannot also have just Algolia running in isolation without it being aware of, for example, stalker availability or such things. So again, actually, that is why we started with uh, making sure that we understand these business processes. Adam also gave us a very nice presentation, actually, when we were in Sydney about our current application landscape, uh, because there's also quite a few uh, internal microservices. I think, Adam, you built over your time at Jimmy Rings. So we have a stock service, for example. We have a blacklisting service and such. And that really helped us in figuring out, okay, how do we make sure that these processes are reflected in the various systems so that the life cycle is actually accurate So, For example, yeah, we really started out just putting things on paper and making sure that the data models are correct and that uh, various updates, for example, placing an order or listing products is correctly done from the process point of view and not necessarily one isolated service. Yeah, it was great to get back to the whiteboard, actually. You know, it was nice to, to be in a room with people, you know, post-COVID and actually sit there and draw out architecture on whiteboards and, you know, move things around. So, yeah, it was a really good experience. I mean, I was there, guys, and it was amazing. And everybody who listens to this, I think it's really important. We see these remote all companies, and I think sometimes it's important to just get back to the drawing board together and just, you know, put your hats literally together in a room. And, of course, at the Jimmy Brinks, have a drink uh, and enjoy uh, uh, working together. Okay, back to the questions, because Marvin, I think you touched on a really interesting point that you say, hey, we have to make sure all these services work together. This data goes to the right place and, and at the right moment. And the more traditional way is where we're going to connect all the APIs together and then, you know, we're going to get a spider web of drama when we have so many services. 
With what we could provide them, data was really a middleware in a more technical way, but what we call now a commerce composer layer, where we can connect all these services separately and then have that data being orchestrated, managed, uh, mapped, and etc. Can you tell a little bit more about that, you know, tweaking in that middleware and that commerce composer versus building separate uh, integrations? Yeah, of course. So I think uh, especially in the more, let's say, monolithic e-commerce engines is to basically build in all the functionalities into the commerce engine. Of course, that has changed quite drastically with the whole composable commerce uh, movement, uh, where we actually pick best of breed services that are independent of each other. And I think with that, the requirement comes to have that composer making sure that everything basically works together, as I mentioned earlier, to make them interoperate. And that's actually also our point of view, of course, as a product that we have as Deity, that we want to have that independent integrations that can work with each other over time. Because that's, I think, one of the key elements is flexibility from a more uh, longer time period. Because, of course, you know, we choose particular services right now, but maybe three or five years down the road, our requirements might change or better competitor for a particular service pops up we want to make sure we want to use a new search engine for example or cms or whatever and if you basically build all these integrations directly from one system to another without a normalized composing layer in between then you have that risk that basically when you want to introduce or replace a certain service that you have to basically rebuild your entire integration and especially also rebuild the, the dependency in the front end And that's where we come in, where we abstract away that logic on the front-end side. Every data that the front-end receives is completely normalized. That's why we always opt to integrate via our composer instead of doing direct system-to-system integrations. It's mainly for making sure that it's maintainable and that it's future-proof. I mean, it's the essence of composable commerce, having a way to compose the data together and use that commerce composer to bring all that services together. Talking about that getting together, I mean, Adam, we're getting towards the end. A massive project, years in the making, I think about eight months of developing eventually. What now? I mean, come on, what happened? How did you experience that? Yeah, it certainly was like a big crescendo, to be honest. Uh, you know, it was, it was certainly my, almost my entire career at Jimmy Brings has been working on a, a new approach to, to get something to market. You know, my predecessor, Elliot, was also working on, you know, he came to Jimmy Brinks to release the new version of the app. Uh, so it was even going even longer than, than my tenure. Yeah, preparing leading up to it was kind of one of those moments where, you know, you are double checking everything, a lot of, lot of big days, late nights, obviously dual shifts coming into the international time zones uh, and really just ticking all the boxes. Because I think when, when we look at composable architecture, we, you know, everything expands like the complexity layer is there and, and using that composer layer to really orchestrate the data contract relationships is a huge plus like if we can confirm okay we're talking fine here then our clients don't have to worry and so when we actually got to go live it was a real funny experience the first order we actually placed on the platform I was sitting there and the delivery driver shows up to my <laughs> house and the delivery driver has absolutely no idea that it's the first order on the new platform and He's just here delivering the order to the front door. And I was like, come in, come in, come in. <laughs> and he come into the house. I've got a big screen set up and there's, you know, everybody's on the call and everyone's like, hey, cheering. <laughs> and this guy has absolutely no, no idea. idea what we're talking about. <laughs> just easy beer. And then, yeah, it was a great moment to be able to. Did he even know who you were? No, he had no idea that I was. So, yeah, I told him because we tell our drivers that don't enter the customer's houses and he's up for safety. And so 
yeah, he came in, I showed him my little Jimmy Brings ID and things like that. And he's like, oh, okay, great, great. Comes in <laughs> and gave a wave to everybody. But it was a, a fantastic moment, to be honest. And something that I'll always remember, you know, my professional career is, you know, always that first transaction. And, and it's also the first transaction in the uh, e-com platform as well. So <laughs> it'll yeah. always be there. Yeah, it was a really great milestone. Yeah, Marvel. I mean, the same here, obviously, you know, the launch on the other side of the world, we couldn't have beer delivered, but we did have some drinks. Tell us how you experienced that launch. <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting on that drone to arrive from Adam that he sent me all the way from <laughs> Sydney. But I'll, I'll keep um, it. It's charging along the way. Yeah, <laughs> okay, okay. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. It was a, it was a really great launch. I would say uh, quite smooth, actually, which uh, which is, of course, really good. So, yeah, as Adam already mentioned, you know, especially two, three weeks before the launch, it was really uh, all hands on deck and making sure that everything works as intended, of course, as with uh, every launch uh, is the case. But I think that worked out pretty well. One of the things, especially uh, given that time zone difference, of course, one of the things which is actually good is that the peak trade of Jimmy Brinks is in some sort of a good time zone for us because basically uh, when our day starts is when your peak trade starts so we don't have peak trade in the middle of our night but basically you know it's it's a regular thing so we're on call doing shifts making sure that 24/7 at least someone is available and I think that worked out quite well I think uh, I got one call from Adam on the first night but we resolved the matter within uh, yeah, quite quickly so I would say uh, quite a nice launch and uh, yeah absolutely and I think you know touching on that it's it's not something that we couldn't have done a soft launch or, you know, just migrated our web customers over because of the way that all the moving parts work. Obviously, as a business, we have loyalty, we have different discounts. And so, sure, we probably could have in a longer term, like if we expanded the project out for another year, maybe another 16 months, we could have integrated our old e-com platform into the new layers. But I think the delay in doing that would have still put us back into rebuild mode and not building features for our customers so transferring everything over in one night you know 400,000 plus customers in one night and then trade the next day and have a really solid day of trading and not to roll back and not even contemplate it is a great experience exactly and of course then a beautiful cake arrives in the office from deity it was it was amazing so thank you very much oh, you're very welcome so you talk about having a new architecture, you know, launching, not having to roll back. I mean, it sounds like a dream. And I've done some project launches and not all of them go that smooth. I mean, I'd sure that we really had to check all these moving parts and make sure that they work together. And that is how you can accomplish that. But more important is after the launch, you say, hey, before we had to patch the whole thing constantly. And now we can build features uh, for our customers. So how do you experience this new architecture, this new platform? after the launch did it improve your processes yeah you know for me this has probably been quite a summer that i've had in terms of tech so that's a fantastic thing you know i get my weekends back <laughs> obviously weekends are great trade in australia for alcohol delivery services and unusually like the last couple of years at jimmy brings you've had to have meetings about right do we need to buy more servers for the platform who's going to be on call to scale in the servers put them into the load balancer and you know all these things that cloud and you take for granted when you have them. And so when Christmas rolled around this year, it was very much like, oh, everything's nice and smooth. You know, it's it's working. Everything that we planned is working the way it should. So that was that was a great moment for us. And so it kind of puts us back into feature development mode now. So longer term for Jimmy Brings, there's, there's some exciting things coming. We've got some big features coming out, some of our suppliers in the next couple of months. And we've, we're really looking forward to unlocking all of the functionality that we have in all of our new products. Okay, so now I'm very curious. What is the new features? What is the new functionalities? Tell us what is next. <laughs> 
We've got to sign NDA in place. Uh, <laughs> I think the key for us is really what is, you know, we want our customers, we've given them a new facelift, right? The app's got this beautiful new UI, you know, really easy to interact with and, and we get a lot of good feedback from it. But then how do we take that to the next level? How do we help our customers in the best selection and get that best experience for them? So personalization is a big thing that we're going to start using. You know, all the products that we have all have personalization features built into them. So everything from better discounts, better loyalty programs, you know, all of those things will start to come into play for our customers in 2023. Amazing. Sounds like I need to get back to Sydney to place some orders there. <laughs> <laughs> Marvin, you know, more general question. From a head of product perspective, is this how you envision composable commerce? Is this how it should work? Yeah, definitely. I think Jimmy Brinks is a perfect case of how composable commerce should be done and when it makes sense, actually, to embrace this on composable commerce uh, architecture. As we've discussed uh, during this podcast, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of different systems together. And the key thing is here, again, they have to interoperate. And I think this is a really beautiful case. I think in total, we were using 16 different services, both uh, web-based SaaS systems, internal systems from Jimmy Brinks Group. So I think it's really a beautiful case. Uh, we even have a web app. We have native apps. Again, uh, a lot of moving parts that are working together. So I think it's a really great example. And if you look at it from a product perspective, from let's say deity perspective, I think it's really great. This is really where our product fits the case and where it makes sense to use our product. So I think it's really, uh, really valuable case here. Yeah. And I think from a project perspective in a composable commerce way, I think you did a really good job because I know, I mean, of course, there was a preparation and everything running, but the eventual coding took about eight months. And I think that is amazing if you compare that to building a full Raspberry platform. You know, when, when, when I see projects going over two, three years and still not being completed. And we certainly turned some gerbils, so it's, it's okay. <laughs> it wasn't just a straight, easy build. Look... Anytime you re-platform something that hasn't been touched in a number of years, there's always a hole here and there. But uh, yeah, and look, I think the composable architecture has already paid off. You know, we've we've already made changes to some of the internal microservices and not had to push a release out to any of the front-end components or change anything in the PWA actually code base. So it's fantastic to be able to do that. And it just, I think it builds confidence. If you're only changing something small in a microservice and it's unit testable and you're covered by your integration tests and your pipelines, then the confidence grows and it reduces that stigma. And I think one of the other things too, I remember during the launch, we had to change something minor and it was a hot fix. We're now like during peak trade and it just worked, you know, like we'd never have been able to do that as a company. And, you know, Deity, you know, says what it does in the box. You know, it solves these problems that we've had in the past and, and certainly is great to work on. Yeah, I remember you asking, so when do we plan the deployment? Yeah, yeah, and then it's... <laughs> Let's just do it right now. It's a rolling upgrade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's such a big change. <laughs> um, and it, yeah, it was definitely like a, a, another moment of happiness. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always like a dream with these things. And of course, we're talking about the good things, but I know there were some struggles there as well and some swearing going on. And I think the Australian swearing is very much like the Dutch. So that was <laughs> pretty... <laughs> pretty funny to see we've got some other good words but i won't say on the podcast <laughs> and, I, and i i've heard actually some of the dutch guys here using the australian words now so i've been hearing them uh, oh, all around. Well, well. <laughs> so, hey uh, grabbing a beer salvo right <laughs> 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 
mate. I know this one. Hey, Adam, what would you recommend to anyone who wants to start using composable cameras? Yeah, it's it's something that's probably come up as a lot of questions from people looking this as a case study is where do you start? And I think if, if I had to have my time again, I think it's selecting that partner up front that can help you make your platform selections. Um, you know, we're very lucky to have a partner on board that we've recommended really good products and we, we definitely dove into them and did our due diligence before just blindly selecting, but you know, the recommendations were great. We kind of did things a little bit differently for our platform selection. We kind of looked for the econ piece first and then went and chose a partner around that. But I think next time, if I had to do this again, I'd probably look at a partner first that can offer a solution after doing, you know, a bit of a deep dive into the company and, and coming up with that. But um, overall, it's, it's a great start. And I think, you know, sit down and map your business processes. It's a very time consuming thing to do if you if you haven't got it and many startups you know it's just build 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 get things to market and, and don't worry about documentation and, and workflow processes and taking that time to do that will help you understand where the gaps in the platforms you're looking at exist so you know how closely does your loyalty platform align with like for instance talent once you know if you tweak your process a little bit then you don't have to try and rebuild a mic- that as a microservice or you can just use the platform that's existing. Uh, and I think that that's probably another big call out is just to really sit down and understand your business and then look at the fundamentals of the platforms that you're selecting as well. I think that is the best advice, you know, get to the drawing board first and you don't have to do everything yourself. I mean, call in some help. We can even help with that and sit down and see what's going on. Get that bird overview and then start building. Okay, guys, I really, really enjoyed talking with you. Adam, thank you uh, for being here with us, for sharing this great story, and, and Marvin, for your insights in how it is from a product perspective and how we work together for this Jimmy Brinks project. We're not done here yet. We're going to keep on building, and we're going to make this brand even bigger. And I hope one day I'm going to see Jimmy Brinks vans driving around here in the Netherlands. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But it would be amazing to see them here. Uh, Adam Marvin, again, thank you. And to all of our listeners, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you learned something. And if you're in Sydney, order a beer. Goodbye. Thanks, guys. See you. Thanks, everyone. Bye.